You're tuned in to the 49th Hour Podcast. 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 Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Zach. I'm here with Tommy. How you doing, Tommy? Pretty good. Exhausted, but I'm getting there. <laughs> and today we actually got uh, Ben Albright from uh, Denver Broncos. Ben, how you doing today? I, too, am exhausted, but um, I'll, I'll live. I'll, I'll try to keep the energy up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. So uh, we would like to know... Um, what was your journey like to actually be a reporter for the Broncos? Um, utterly ridiculous. <laughs> I have uh, I have absolutely no training in journalism whatsoever. Um, I you know I was a military guy who backdoored my way in, into kind of what I'm doing, and um, a lot of that really came about because I just happened to know a bunch of guys who. Uh, either worked in, coached in, or represented people who did both uh, in the NFL. So um, I just kind of, I'm the classic example of a guy who networked um, and happened to know people instead of, uh, you know, anything else. That's, that's incredible, man. So, Ashley, what's your favorite team growing up? Um, you know, I grew up as a fan of the Chiefs and Niners. Um, Joe Montana. Joe Montana was obviously my my dude. Uh, and then I grew up mostly in Kansas City. My first girlfriend was uh, was Bill Kenny's daughter. Kenny was a quarterback of the Chiefs around the time Montana was was quarterback for the Niners. Wow. Um, so yeah, I just kind of uh, like I said, one of those weird you know connection thingies. So I kind of grew up as a Chiefs fan, and uh, here I am working uh, you know on the Broncos flagship. <laughs> Working for the enemy, <laughs> right? Right. I used to, yeah. Just to say, I, I, you know, passed John Elway in the hallway, man. Man, I used to hate you. I used to hate you so much, but that should be a sign of respect to how good he was. So, right, because, and I love watching. I never actually, you know, watched um, him play too much because I was I'm not old enough to. But from what I've seen, and the the Super Bowl against the Packers, the helicopter play. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was just a he was just a tough guy, and and no matter what you did, the lead wasn't safe. He kind of was like Pat Mahomes before Pat Mahomes was Pat Mahomes, and now you got Pat Mahomes taking it to a whole another level, whole another stratosphere. My dad actually calls John Elway the Chiefs killer for how bad, like how good he was against the Chiefs after all those years. Yeah, he really was, man. It really was one of those things, like. Because the division wasn't exactly chock full of good quarterbacks, the the Chargers went through a bunch of different guys. The, the Raiders had like Jeff Hostetler and Jeff George, guys like that. They went through a bunch of different guys. And, you know, Kansas City famously didn't draft a quarterback in the first round from 1983. Tell Pat Mahomes, um, they they brought in a bunch of free agents. So they they had Bill Kenny and Steve DeBerg and. Uh, Steve Bono, uh, Matt Blunder, they just like a whole bunch of guys, you know, uh, in between there. And, and, uh, 
you know, in that era, Elvis Gerbach, I think the best one they had was Rich Gannon. And then they let him get away. Um, you know, the Raiders, because Marty Schottenheimer liked, liked uh, Gerbach better, which, you know, everybody in town was, was befuddled by that. I think that ultimately cost Marty his job uh, in Kansas city. It was one of the big things that ended up costing him his job in Kansas city. Right. And she's actually kind of known as the, um, the four Irish quarterbacks of, or like they always see the four nights quarterbacks because you have Alex Smith, Joe Montana, those guys, and and it's it actually I was okay. I'll be honest here, I was not a big fan of Alex Smith. I, I really wasn't, <laughs> but um, I I love um the person he was, and, or is, and when he was with the Chiefs and Chiefs fans kept telling me, oh, he's going to take us to the Super Bowl. I was like. Nah, man, he won't. He won't take you to the big dance. He he won't take you there. He'll get you the playoffs. That's fine, but he won't take you to the Super Bowl. He can't do it. Yeah, there's you know there's there's quarterbacks like that all over the place. He, the league is littered with guys that were good enough to be good enough, but not good enough to get there without the, the you know the help, either a great defense or, or whatever else. And yeah, I'd say that's fair. Alex Smith was always one of those guys, hyper efficient. You know, coaches love the fact that he doesn't turn the football over ever, which is great, but at the same time, he doesn't take chances. And sometimes in order to win those games, you got to take a chance or two. And, uh, and Alex just never wanted to, never wanted to take those chances. Always wanted to play it efficient and smart. And that's fine to a point, but, um, that's the reason you get come back on, uh, against the Colts in the playoffs like that, playing it too conservative. Um, that's the reason that you, you know, you lost to the the Titans at a game you should have won when, uh, the Mariota completed a pass to himself off a player's <laughs> helmet or whatever, you know, it's it was one of those things watching those games was just frustrating because Kansas city should have won both those games and managed to find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of imminent victory. Right. And they have amazing talent on offense and defense as well. And just, they just couldn't do anything with them. It's just sad to see. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think Alex had a great career. It's, it's a shame he didn't get a ring, but you know, he'll uh, he'll latch on somewhere. I think he'll probably wind up in like Jacksonville, reunite with Urban Meyer because that was his college coach at Utah. And, you know, maybe he'll be a mentor to, to Lawrence or something. It's just a shame he didn't get a ring because he is one of the all-time nice guys. And what a great comeback story, you know, with uh, with coming back from the injury. Yeah, that, that leg. I've seen pictures of that leg. It was horrible. It was like raw chicken. The documentary <laughs> was incredible. I love mm-hmm. the documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was – He's just one of those guys. He's a really smart guy, too. He don't know, is. Yeah, I don't know if you ever had the chance to talk to him, but he's, he's a very intelligent guy. And, um, I, you know, I wish I wish more of that came across because, you know, you don't really hear about that. All you hear about is check down Charlie stuff. You don't really hear about how smart the guy is. <laughs> kind of like a Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah. Um, uh, only is Kirk, is, is he, would we say, would we say he's like a, a super smart guy. I, I uh, I'll can't say that. He's <laughs> paid more than I am, so he's pretty smart to me. Right there, you go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just like Alex Smith though with um, Jimmy Garoppolo. He needs a great defense and a good running game to help him be successful as well. You know, I don't, I, I can't say he probably Jimmy's Jimmy's probably smarter than me, but I don't think he's that smart in the NFL. <laughs> well, I mean, there's smart, there's football smart. Alex is, is like world smart. You know, he, he finished up, uh, he finished like two degrees by the time he was a sophomore uh, there at Utah and then bounced early. 
um, you know, and, and one of them was in economics. I mean, it wasn't like it was like PE or anything. Like he was like, you know, he was like getting actual actual degrees out there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I think that um, uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's 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 a whole different animal. Huh? <laughs> so, uh, so I know Broncos have been making some moves lately. Um, they just released Drill Casey and AJ Boye. Um, is that due to because they're trying to sign Justin Simmons and maybe Von Miller? You think? Oh, that's part of it. Neither one of those two guys had um, had any dead cap. They, you know, because of the trades when they were brought over, mm-hmm. and so there was no dead cap there. They both were guys that that were injured a little bit last year, and um, Bouye still had a game or two, I think, on his suspension coming up uh, this next season for PEDs. So. For the Broncos, it was just, you know what, we're going to get younger. Let's just go ahead and pull the Band-Aid now. And, um, you know, they want to see some of the uh, – they, they do want to sign, re-sign Shelby Harris as well, but they do want to see some of their younger defensive players, specifically Draymond Jones, get some more run. And Jarrell Casey was kind of in his way. So I think that's really what it is, is clear, you know, $11 million off the books, um, no dead cap. It gives you the op- the freedom and the flexibility to be able to get Justin and, and hopefully Vaughn redone and, and maybe Shelby as well. And then, you know, you get to see more of Draymond Jones, who you're really excited about. Right. And I know uh, I noticed that Jake Butt and Phil Lindsay are free agents this year. Do you think they come back? Well, you said Phil Lindsay and who? And Jake Butt. I don't think Butt's going to be back. Um, I just think his his career is just one of those ones he just couldn't get it going um, after the injury. As far as Phil Lindsay goes, he's a restricted free agent, mm-hmm. so it depends on how they tender him. Um, whether they tender him second round or original round, uh, he was undrafted, so um, you know that that would be uh, that would be the right to contract match. I don't know if, if Phil will be back. If they if they tender him at a second round or higher, then he'll be back. If they tender him as an unoriginal round, probably won't be back. I've been. A, I actually do like Phil Lindsay. I do like uh, his running game, his style. Um, but do you think that they should at least draft it or draft or sign somebody to get that one-two punch? Well, they had Melvin Gordon, and Melvin really did well. Um, you know, in, in the scheme last year. In fact, he's probably a better fit for Pat Shermer. You know, those uh, guys like Pat Shermer, everybody off the Andy Reid tree, they tend to want bigger running backs. You know, they they want guys that they're about two twenty-five basically because they can hold up and pass pro. And the two knocks on Phil Lindsay are his size and his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, both things you need to be able to do in West Coast. Uh, Melvin Gordon doesn't have a problem with that. So uh, while Melvin is not nearly the, as talented a runner as as Phil Lindsay can be, and, not, and certainly not as home uh, home run threat like Phil Lindsay, I think he, he fits the scheme a little bit better. To be honest with you, I was talking with somebody, it was like three or four months ago, and we were talking about the possibility of Phil Lindsay not coming back. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, watch Kyle Shanahan snap him up and turn him into like a, you know, a 1500 yard rusher for like four seasons. And uh, so, you know, it, it, it could be somebody now I'm not saying that's going to happen. That was just me spitballing, but um, that could be something that you could see uh, you could potentially see there as, as a, a Niners fan. He fits what, uh, what Kyle likes. He, Kyle's very familiar with Phil Lindsay and um, you know, of course he's got that speed. Right. And Kyle can make almost any, any running back run for over a thousand yards easily. <laughs> it's insane. Cause that scheme is just so, uh, Running, uh, running back friendly, and mm-hmm. and the the offensive line that he molded in San Francisco because of his own blocking scheme and everything, it it works for them. 
Yeah, and then Phil's got experience in that, you know, in that offense. That's what they ran last year with Rich Cagarello. Um, and and that's they, you know, the Broncos in in that wide zone that originated here under you know Kyle's dad, Mike Shanahan. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, they just uh, the way that the Kyle does things and has schemed up the passing game on top of that run game really makes it you know really is what makes it great. But yeah, any any of those guys, if you got a little bit of speed, Kyle Shanahan can turn you into a running back, and that's the thing. Is Phil Lindsay's got the speed, but they basically wanted him to run inside zone this past year, which is just not really a, a fit for him. He's more of an outside zone runner, and um, and so that's that's not really that's not his game, and it just felt like he was a mismatch. And then trying to have him back there in pass protection was just laughable. Um, you know when you weigh a buck 70 and and you've got, you know, Joey Bosa staring down the barrel, you know, that that's, that's just not fair. It's like that. It's like the skinny kid in dodgeball that just gets pelted by like the 50 <laughs> balls or whatever, you know, I, I was that skinny kid before COVID hit. So <laughs> COVID. COVID messed me up badly. Yeah, I, I threw on the COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe maybe twenty. It's it's mostly neck fat. Who knows? <laughs> neck fat. <laughs> I felt that. <laughs> so, um, are you? You can be you can be honest with us. Are you a fan of Drew Locke? I like Drew as a person um, a lot. In fact, I was um, I was super excited that he was coming to Den- Denver. Excuse me to be able to cover him um, because I, I met him down at the senior bowl. That was my first exposure to him. And I got to chat with him for about 20 minutes. I'll tell you, man, he's, he's just, he's just a high wattage personality. Like when you talk to him, you're like, I don't know if this is a family friendly podcast, but you're like bleep. Yeah. I want to throw the pads on. Let's go. You know? Um, so, you know, he's, he's, um, he's just one of those guys. Like you just, you, you gravitate to, you know how it is. Everybody's got that friend, you know, that everybody likes, you just want to hang out with that guy, you know, that kind of thing. And Drew's that guy. And then, you know, he comes in the league and, uh, you know, like, the winning football games and all that kind of stuff. And they change the offense and, and Drew, Drew's a bit of a, I mean, I, I don't want to say this, I'm going to say this, but it's going to come out wrong. So I'm going to try and correct it a little bit. Um, he's a bit of a slow learner. Like it takes him a little bit to get there. You know, once he gets there, he gets there, but it, it just takes him a little bit. And he's had different offensive coordinators like every year dating back to high school, except for one season where he had some continuity. And that one year he had continuity, he set the SEC record for touchdowns. Like he's just one of those guys, like if you give him a little time in an offense, let him learn it and get it and get comfortable, he can be really good. And so, you know, I, I like Drew the player. I think that he, I think he could be a star in this league. The question is whether or not teams, anybody's going to give him patience enough to become that um, because he just, it just takes him a little bit longer. Right. And, not everybody's a fast learner like most like most uh, quarterbacks are now in the league like Mahomes and uh, I don't know uh, Lamar yeah, too. I mean, right? They, they're fast learners. And you know, you got guys like Baker Mayfield with the instant success there and all that kind of stuff. And that that's kind of the problem is instant success has spoiled, um, you know, the 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 spoiled the art of coaching up quarterbacks. You know, you, you come into the league and if you don't have instant success, they're just kicking you to the curb. And then, you know, you, you might get a chance down the road, maybe, but it's it's highly unlikely. And then your career goes to die. and We get deprived of guys who might have been good if they just get enough time to, you know, grow and bloom. I mean, we, we were talking about Alex Smith to kick this thing off. Alex Smith didn't get good to like, what, six, seven years in the league. Yeah. Brian Tannehill, it took till his second team and now he looks like an MVP. <laughs> You know, Derek Carr's a, a, a top 12 quarterback, top 10 quarterback in this league, but it took him six years to get there. So, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, if, if you're going to have, that you don't have instant success, 
to me, that says that one of two things, either you missed on the player and he's not as good as you thought he was going to be like Paxton Lynch, or, um, <laughs> you, you, your quarterback coach sucks and you need to find, why are you paying him money? If he can't get, if he can't turn your guy into the quarterback you want him to be. So it's, it, to me, it's like one of those two things. Right. And, uh, I mean, you look at what the Bills did with Josh Allen. Josh Allen mm-hmm. wasn't that great this rookie season. He he started getting better the sophomore year, but look what he did last year. He was yeah, phenomenal. Sophomore he year was, yeah, his sophomore year was was kind of mediocre. It was year three where it really took off, and that's continuity. He had the same staff in place, the same players, you know, the um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And and they they made that commitment to him. And Drew's just never had that commitment. Um, and and even, you know the idea of bringing Pat Shermer and, and drew Locke back this year, a lot of Broncos fans are against it. You know, they want to blow the whole thing up again and go be the Cleveland Browns and get a new coach and quarterback every year. <laughs> right. But again, it's just like, you, you don't know. You honestly don't know. There's like you were saying about Ryan Tannehill and, and that's the change of scenery does help sometimes. Like the coaching does make a huge impact on different teams. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, any any team that you know has Adam Gase uh, running the offense is <laughs> it's like uh, it's just like having a Ferrari with a boat anchor hanging out the window. You know, oh, it's, it's not uh, it's not it's not really uh, not really the best way to maximize your your players. Yeah, I feel like the like perfect example for that is just kind of like the Cleveland Browns. I mean, we saw Stefanski get in there, and they were one of the top teams competing, but before that, they you know. Well, yeah. like a four and 12 team. <laughs> That's exactly it. Freddie kitchens, you know, and, and that whole, and that staff. And then before that, you know, the, the, the coaching staffs that they had were, were bad. They were woefully unprepared. They held back the talent that they had on that roster. You get a, a competent coach in there, a guy who's a details guy, who's, who's smart, like Kevin Stefanski, and he could turn your franchise around. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, you go back to uh, when Jim Harbaugh first came to the Niners, look at, look at the talent the Niners had on that roster. And, they were bad. They were a bad team before Jim came in there, and then all of a sudden they exploded to three straight NFC championships. Yeah, it was a shame that uh, the front office couldn't couldn't get along with that coaching staff. It really kind of kind of messed that up. I guess it worked out in the end because you guys got Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, <laughs> yeah. but. You know, but but you know, you look back at that staff. Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator. They put together some great defenses there, um, and and the offense was you know was doing pretty well. They had Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick. They were they were making it happen with those guys. You know, so it was it was kind of a shame the way that thing uh, disintegrated. But that's that's another part of a stable working environment. You know, we talked about continuity and a stable working environment, and then then you had to go through the the Jim Tom Sula uh, era <laughs> and the uh, and the Chip Kelly era. Oh, so. yeah. Please, please don't remind us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tom Sula for that one game, he was the winningest all-time coach by percentage in, in Niners. <laughs> I was I when I saw that on the TV, I was like, no, no, get that <laughs> off the TV right now. It's all about that the was, wins. It, <laughs> so it I, had to be it had to be an intern doing that because there's no way that it makes sense oh, to pull the graphic. Yeah, you know, you know, it was somebody doing it for the for the clip, you know, doing it for the attention. Like that, right. we're gonna put this up and rile everybody up. <laughs> And then you have you have Glenn Babbert later on. Oh, oh yeah. my uh, that, was, that was not fun at all. And um, I always say this: I think Kaepernick came in the league seven years too late or too early. Because if you look at it now, they're mostly more mobile quarterbacks than uh, pocket passers now. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks. You, you look back and you think back, man, if this guy had come in the league, you know, six, seven years later, he might've been something. I don't know that, that I, you know, Tebow was probably still throwing dirt darts, but the rest of them, you know, like uh, Seneca Wallace, you know, that, the Seneca Wallace is a guy that probably would have been a star in the league today. And instead was kind of a backup, um, you know, Tavares Jackson, um, you know, you can go back and look at some of these guys that, that, that kind of washed out because coaches wanted to make them what they wanted to make them instead of letting the, the, QB flourish off their talents. Can you imagine the kind of career Michael Vick would have right now where right. coaches are more ready to cater to that? You know, um, I mean, he was, he was electric. I, I was, I was fortunate enough to watch his entire career. He was electric dead, but can you, if you imagine what he was like now, I mean, it, it would have been ridiculous. Well, imagine him on the Ravens now, Greg Roman's offense. Yeah. Maybe unstoppable. Right. Yeah, just, I mean, just, you know, or in, in Seattle, letting him cook, you know, like, you know, let Russ cook or it just, you know, uh, Arizona instead of Kyler. I mean, you imagine Michael Vick in that offense. Holy uh, bleep, you know, I don't I don't want to imagine it because, you know, <laughs> the Niners fan. Well, right. It would be fun to watch, but I would hate Michael Vick. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, just from a pure football standpoint, right. you know, it'd be fun to watch from uh, from a, that's my rival. You know, that it, it takes us back to the beginning of our conversation where, you know, I'm watching John Elway every year. I mean, you got an appreciation for the dude's game, but, but dude, could you let us have one? Right. That's how I am with uh, Russell Wilson. <laughs> well, well, now Russell just reports that he might get traded too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think they'll ultimately get things where they were. I think Russ was just, um, kind of, kind of embarrassed that, that, uh, and I say embarrassed a little, you know, miffed that he had some suggestions and they kind of blew him off. Um, you know, and, and, but to be fair, I mean, like those guys, the scouting guys, the coaches, the guys that are bringing those players in, I mean, they spend 20 hours a day grinding tape and watching all that kind of stuff. And here comes your, your quarterback walking in and say, well, you know, forget the fact that you've been doing this for 20 hours a day for 50 weeks. Uh, here's the guy I'm looking at, you know, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so I think both sides just kind of need to sit down and repair that. But I, I, I think he's going to be there in Seattle. I don't think he's going to leave. Yeah. yeah I, I, that's kind of what I ultimately thought. It was just, I mean, I feel like it was kind of too good to be true, sort of. I mean, Russ is just kind of like the Seattle guy. Like they, they won't win without him. So right, right. He, he needs to stay there. <laughs> and I, th- I think they know that too, that Russ is the reason they're actually a threat and the West because Seattle is nothing without him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause we saw I mean, last, last season, they're, their, their defense was just last. So well, or for I a mean, while, I mean, towards the end of the season, they started being really good all of a sudden. Yeah. But. Yeah, it could take a little while for that to come together. I think the thing about Seattle and Pete Carroll and all that is you go back and look, Pete Carroll really never had dynamic quarterbacks. He always had like ho-hum, just generic, you know, signal caller guys. And they lucked into Russ, you know, like it, it, the reality is, is, you know, things could have, things could have been wildly different uh, in that draft. Fanny Reed had gotten his way and got Russ Wilson. Um, you know, he might've had his Mahomes before he had his Mahomes, you know, and uh, in, in Philly. And then, you know, Seattle with, with Russ, they, they were actually going to look at Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn was going to be their guy. You go back and look at Pete Carroll quarterbacks at USC, you know, guys like Leinert and, and Matt Barkley and all those John David Booty and Aaron Corp and all those guys, you know, they had, they just had guys. They wanted to run the ball and play defense. And they just had guys that, that just didn't make mistakes. And, you know, they, they lucked, into having a dynamic talent like Russ. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, I mean, if you're a Niners fan, that sucks. But <laughs> now, Russ, you you gotta respect Russ. He's has he has one of the most beautiful deep deep balls in the league. Like 
I I can't hate that. It's it's so amazing to watch how he throws how he throws a deep ball so accurately with, mm-hmm. with without ease. Yeah, and it's he's got like this rainbow on it a little bit too, you know, like drop he, like he could drop it to bucket, you know. You, it's almost like he's shooting threes out there, you know. <laughs> if you, you look at the arc on right. some of those passes, it's just incredible. And yeah, I had a chance to see him when he was a freshman at, at NC State, um, you know, playing. I was like, man, this guy's gonna be a star someday. And they're like, man, he's a midget. He's never gonna, you know. And so like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny how that came full circle, you know. And and uh, I remember when he was getting dra- when when he came out in that draft, and I, you know, I was just on on Twitter at the time and. Uh, Twitter was, you know, still pretty young, I think. And I put out there, I was like, ah, if Russell Wilson was, you know, was two, three inches taller. He'd be the number one overall draft pick. And I got like a rate before ratioing was a thing. Uh, I, like I, I got ratioed to death on Twitter. There was like one guy, I think that, that, uh, that stood with me on that. His name was Dave Rosano and he was a former scout and he went back into scouting actually after that. But, uh, he was on Twitter briefly, just, you know, just trying to find his next gig. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because everybody now says they were in on Russ, but I can tell you I was there. Nobody was it like nobody believed in him. Everybody was making fun of him, said he was a midget and all this stuff. It was it was ridiculous. And well, now you look at Kyle Murray, drafted number one overall, overall pick. Yeah, yeah he, and he, he, he owes Russ half that salary. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, what is it with the NFC West and short quarterbacks? Can I come out there and play? <laughs> I mean, I, we could use a short quarterback to you. We, we can just well, use yeah. a quarterback. How do you feel about yeah? How do you be, feel about the forty-year-old, slow, weak-armed, never was, uh, never worse uh, than that? I'm your guy. If they need, if they need somebody to do that, I'm I'm so here for them. <laughs> Cal, if I make you a two thousand yard passer, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd probably it'd be really twenty five hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns, six picks, like somehow. Be a lot better than Jimmy. <laughs> Uh, but not as handsome. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you can't talk about Jimmy Garoppolo without acknowledging that the dude's like ridiculously handsome. Like you just he, can't do it. Like it's under air. Yeah, I think that's probably the main reason why a lot of people want him back because of that reason. <laughs> I want him. Oh man, I don't want him because it's because he's not that great. He, he really isn't. He's just, right, right. We, he's we had real, yeah, he's one of those efficient guys that we were talking about earlier. And I mean, there's still out there rumors of other players. I know you've been very vocal on. I know you probably get asked this a lot too, but I know you've been very vocal on uh, Watson not being available, and it's most likely true because uh, there's a lot of reports saying that Texans aren't even answering the calls. Mm-hmm. They're going straight to voicemail. Voicemails, yeah. right? Somebody ought to do a segment where they leave voicemail trade offers for, uh, <laughs> like, you know, like that guy that does the vocal impersonations. So it's a Frank Caliendo. Let, let that guy do a bunch of different coaches leaving <laughs> trade offers. That'd be pretty funny. Um, no, I, I think, yeah. I, I, and that's what I've said since January. I would, before the story broke, like I was kind of on it and, and like was, we were talking about it and I asked the hypothetical at the time, like, what would it take if somebody ever, you know, and he's like, man, it'd be three first, three seconds and two pro bowl caliber players that, that, that gets you on the phone. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's, I, I don't think that, I don't think they're going to move Watson right now. Um, if they do move him, I mean, my best guess is they move him after this coming season. Um, I think they've, con- they've convinced themselves that they can, they can convince him to come back. Um, and I think they firmly believe that. And they're going to, they're going to try and do that. The thing about Watson sitting out is it saves Houston money. 
like there's no downside for Houston because Deshaun Watson at the end of this season is still going to be Deshaun Watson. And you're still going to get a haul for him. Um, and so I, I think that if you're the Texans and you know this is a tank season anyway, um, and you get your draft pick back next draft that you haven't had in a few years, maybe you trade Watson after this season and you double up on the first round picks and you just kind of start to rebuild with with that. Um you know, maybe, maybe that's the direction you go. I, I don't know. I, I spitballing, but after, after talking to people down there, I think that they think they're going to convince him to stick around. And if he sits, uh, they're perfectly fine with it because they'll save a ton of money and his contract. Won't, uh, won't, you know, his year won't, won't toll. So he'll, he'll just be making 10 mil next year. And that big money extension is still a year away. And hmm. he just signed an extension, I think beginning of last year. Right. I believe. And do you think he should have done that? Man, I, like if you have that much problem with with the organization that you're in, I you know I I probably wouldn't have. Um, exactly. You know, uh, you're a star quarterback in the NFL. You can get whatever you want in the open market. Now they could have franchise tagged him, and and I get that. But um, I guess uh, I, I guess the way I look at it is. Um, I would probably, I'm weird. I would rather be franchise tagged. You know, I, I, like, like people avoid that. I think mm-hmm. Kirk cousins is a genius for that. I mean, like, like he ran to the table to sign those franchise tags as quick as Washington would offer him. Cause he knew it's guaranteed money. I'm going to get another one the next year. And then I, eventually I'm going to hit the market and still get that big money contract. And too many people are keen to avoid that franchise tag. They just, they're, they're, I think they're too scared or, I, you know, I don't know, but um, it's, it's just weird to me. And so I, I think that if it had been me, I probably would not have signed that deal right and and that's something i actually thought of before i was like if you sign the contract why are you upset now that you're stuck in that situation well i mean they got rid of the crap coach like like hasn't your situation improved (laughs) since you signed that deal you know they got they got rid of a terrible coach i I just just and, and slash gm you know I saw the uh, you know the Cardinals today signed signed JJ Watt. They got uh, Hopkins and Watt. You know if the if the if the Texans had traded Watt, they might have even gotten a running back for him. Another Duke Johnson or yeah. David Johnson, right? <laughs> so we'll send Kenyon Kenyon Drake on over or Chase Edmonds. <laughs> uh, I mean Kenyon Drake's not that bad though. I mean he's he's pretty good. Oh, oh, I lost him. <laughs> you said Kenyon Drake was good and he was out. <laughs> Oh, that that's that's a deal breaker, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I was in the middle of talking, and I was like, "Oh, these guys are just done with me." I got the boot. <laughs> no, I started talking with Kenyon Drake, and he just left. Like, oh, well, he, yeah, he, we're not. We are not having a Kenyon Drake conversation. <laughs> I just uh, it's it's in my rider. I don't talk about Drake at all. So, as the minute there's any kind of Drake mention, I just leave the room. Just gotta get out. The rapper right. or the player? Both. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Also, I the hotel. Is this a Drake hotel? Yeah, the Drake. Oh, I I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I might be too young. I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> or uneducated, one of the two. I mean, nah, no, it's just it's an obscure <laughs> pop culture reference. Okay. My uh, yeah. So my first uh, call is I went to uh, Fort Hayes three years or about four years ago now. And I had quite a bit of friends from Denver. Mm-hmm. So they always tell me stuff that from Denver and the mountains and everything. And I was like, Oh, you should come over. I was like, ah, it's too cold over there. 
<laughs> it's not that bad. Uh, we get like 320 days of sunshine a year. I, I thought it was going to be cold when I moved out here. Um, but you know, and I stole my motorcycle, my boat and stuff. And then I came out here and I was like, what the hell, man? It's like sunny all the time. You know, like, it, like it's, it snows, like it snows for like, you know, 10, 15 days out of the year. But when it snows, it really snows. So when you first moved out there, do that high altitude, did it make you hard to breathe for a while? Oh yeah. I, uh, yeah, when I first came out here, um, uh, I the, the, okay, so I, I came out here to take over as a CIO at Vail Valley Medical Center, and on the way out, the healthcare laws changed. Like literally, as after I accepted it and draw, that's what Obamacare kicked in. Mm-hmm. And so, to save money, they merged the CIO position with the network admin position uh, and eliminated it. So I'm driving out there from Tampa, where I lived at the time. And they're all like, actually, we've got to rescind our offer. We're going to give you a six months severance. But, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, OK. And, uh, you know, and I, 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 the whole reason I moved out here was for a girl. And we split two weeks after I got here. So it was just uh, yeah, it was just great. And so like any good story starts, the girl ends in disaster. But I, I uh, um, no, I got out here. And I just I liked it so much. I stayed, but I, I had to get a place. So I got this apartment and it was super cheap, like relative to like the rest of the real estate in Denver, which is not cheap at all and so mm-hmm. i was like all right what, what's wrong with this thing and i get there it's a third floor apartment and i figured out why because walking up those stairs <laughs> every day when you are not used to it uh, three flights of stairs crushed me like would like uh-huh. it, it made me it made me whimper like a child i did i no longer thought of myself as a man um <laughs> i was i was like so tired from walking up those stairs that it was uh you know it's ridiculous and so um yeah, I think that uh, the altitude does does affect people. It's it stays with you, it stays with you about six eight months, and then then you kind of after that you're kind of used to it. Yeah, I I went over to uh, Creed, Colorado. I'm not sure if you know where that's at. Uh, with arms wide open. That was a Creed joke. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen Creed. I'm so uncultured. I'm sorry. That's, I, here's here's how old I am. I'm not even talking about the movie. I'm talking about the crappy band. Oh. Well, you got me again. <laughs> I, I thought you were talking about the movie. I haven't seen the movie either. <laughs> no, I was talking about the band. They had a song called like, With Arms Wide Open, and uh, that's it. Anyway, let's just blow past that and pretend it didn't happen, so I'm, so I'm less embarrassed. <laughs> I know Open Arms by Journey. <laughs> yeah, that's older. How do you know that one? You don't, you don't remember Creed? I don't know Creed. <laughs> oh, dude, well, thank God. Scott Stapp was there was there was this moment in the late 90s and early 2000s where as a country, we just, we just all had terrible taste in music. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, I I went on a trip with uh, my wife and her family to Creed, Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, we were just out there for like a week. But yeah, the, the elevation does hit you pretty hard for like the first two or three days at least. And I mean, I carried over for like the whole week, of course. But yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, if you're just if you're just being casual, uh, you know, like one or two weeks, and you'll you know a couple of days, and you can get used to it. A couple of weeks, and you'll be fine. But if mm-hmm. you're like doing any kind of athletic activity, all oh, six eight months, man, like it's it's you know. You try to yeah. try to play football and, and you, you know, you get five, six plays in. You're like, nope, nope, I'm done. I'm just going to I'm just going to go sit over here for a while and recover. Uh, you know, and so that's that's how it was for me. Like we, we had a flag football league and I get out there and I'd be like, I'd be good for the first quarter. And then I, I can't come back till the fourth. <laughs> I actually heard that football players actually prefer to go to Denver to train sometimes. Is that right. true? Yeah, you get used to it. It makes it it increases the max VO2 on your lungs. So if you're playing at altitude and then you go somewhere else like to sea level, mm-hmm. uh, then all of a sudden you got tons of energy, you know, because you're 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 used to the high altitude. Your body's used to um, in in the way it draws oxygen. So a lot of guys do that. They'll come to Denver to train and then they'll go back to you know sea level and uh, and they'll ball out when they get to camp. 
Right. Cause I, I always wondered how that w- would work because I always thought, you know, they would hate it playing there or at least being there because of the high altitude. But if it no, works, no, it no. works. Yeah, I mean, you get used to it's like it's like training with a, you know, it's like it's like lifting weights. You know, you lift heavier weights. You know, you get stronger. You you you, you do something that's harder to breathe, and then you go to an easier place to breathe, and it's yeah, it makes it a lot better. I, I noticed it. Um, you know, we go down to the like the Senior Bowl or something um, in Mobile, Alabama. That's a sea level, and you know, I, I notice it when I go places like that, and and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, well, it's a, I can I can really breathe right now. So. <laughs> Well, Ben, it's a it's been a huge pleasure talking with you and having you on the pod, and I'm hoping we can have you again sometime in the future. Yeah, anytime. Sorry about the uh, cut out there. I just, you know, like I said, it's it's green green M and M's and Drake. I, I just don't do either one. So, <laughs> all, right, That's all right, I'll take note. <laughs> yeah, next time, uh, next time I'll get on camera. I'll take a shower and uh, I'll get on camera instead of uh, so we're not, so we're not talking to a blank screen and I, I you know I look like an idiot. <laughs> it's all good. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening in. And this is the 49th hour. 